The following podcast is a B&E Network exclusive. to B-Movies and Ebooks. I'm Craig Wade. And I'm Brian Allen Delaney. And joining us today is our friend from school, Troy Souza. Say hi, Troy. Howdy, everyone. Yeah. It's a hell of an introduction there, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. Uh, we got everybody introduced. Everyone knows who we are now. <laughs> Longtime listeners have cracked the code between who me and you are. And... <laughs> <laughs> and we're all on board. So anyway, yeah, I, like I said, I had a I had a mimosa this morning. I'm not used to morning drinking, so it's gonna be Ooh, one samosa or mimosa, dude. It was like a 25 ounce mimosa. I'm not I'm not like drunk, but you know, yeah, that's two long necks worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for you know, first thing in the morning. Hey, hey. I'm I'm only used to this, uh, or I'm only normally used to mouthwash. So. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're just getting hobo drunk, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, before we get into anything, oh yeah, well, this episode we're covering the Magpie Coffin by Wyle E. Young, and uh, the I don't know the year ninety four. 92, 95. 95? 1995. Okay. Uh, the 95 John Carpenter film, In the Mouth of Madness. But before we get into any of that, what's new with you, Brian and or Troy? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> Go. Uh, I mean, uh, okay, so usually we, we, we talk about, like, things we're doing for a second, but, like, all my projects are, like, canceled right now. I'm not even talking or, projects. Or, I have to make this clarification every week. What's new with you, bro? <laughs> well, no, I was explaining to Troy. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you, sir. So, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, every everything I have is still sort of on lockdown because of COVID. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, me, me too. <laughs> uh, uh, man. Uh, since last episode, have y'all either of y'all seen uh, the Invisible Man? I have not. Um, it's one of the ones that I'm trying to get my wife to watch with me. You know, because she's not a huge horror fan, mm-hmm. right? But uh, she likes uh, was it Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. That's her name, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's a big fan of hers. So I'm trying to be like, hey. Do you want to watch like a slightly rapey horror movie? <laughs> it's not to like that. Let's set the mood right tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to get her to watch it. Is it's, it good, I, dude? I watched it last week. It's fantastic. Like fantastic. I loved it. I can definitely see there's some major plot points uh, and and possible holes where. Um, it could make some people be like, this is the dumbest thing ever. But I think uh, fans of horror 
are willing to overlook, uh, you know, a few problems. And I don't know. It was a fun movie. It also really wasn't a horror film. That's the downside. Not that the original was. Yeah, I'd say it's more of a thriller. I was lucky enough to actually see it in theaters with the misses, and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. It builds suspension very well, and uh, I think it's, uh, you know, at first when you said Invisible Man, I was thinking, uh, are you talking about John Carpenter's memoirs of Invisible Man? (laughs) You know, linking all back to him. But uh, as the, yeah, the, was Elizabeth Moss? Yeah, it was, it was very good. Um, I'd probably give it a B plus and, uh, yeah, it's not your typical horror film. No, I, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Because honestly, like I'm craving a lot of the non-shutter. Uh, do you have shutter? Are you familiar? Yeah. So I'm I'm craving some of the non-shutter content because I'm I'm you know like I've seen so much of it. And so I was one night I was just like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. It, it, it I definitely wasn't going to watch it whenever it was $20 rental, but it, when it dropped down to, I think it was three ninety nine or something. So I was like, eh, I'll do it. <laughs> so Anyway, it was really like, it was, it was a lot better than I was expecting, but it also may have been that my expectations were so low that eh, I'll do it was about where I stood you know, <laughs> at the beginning yeah. of it. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, other than that, I watched uh, this movie. What was it called? Big Time Adolescence with Pete Davidson. Uh, I, yeah. you know, that's funny that you mentioned that. Me, I we just watched that as well. Oh really? Um, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, it definitely in that ending was very. Um, Open in. Well, you know, well, you know how it went, but uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it it was. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I I really hadn't heard much of that film. I think it was the Netflix or Hulu. I can't even remember. Hulu. What, uh, what was that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm a sucker for those uh, coming of age stories. So yeah, me too. And it had uh, what's her name from that Euphoria show in it, and and uh, the main girl or uh, one of the side. I can't remember. I, I never watched Euphoria, so I don't even know. I just know. What, yes, I am. I, but, I've watched a few episodes myself, but I I, I don't remember if it's the blonde, yeah, girl or, or whatnot. Well, but she's been a couple things. Look it up. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that one took me by surprise. Like, I mean, it's kind of like you said, it's a coming of age story, kind of. God, I can't really compare it to anything. If I was to, it'd be like if Judd Apatow was doing Juno. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I don't really, uh, I don't know in terms of a basis of comparison, but it 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 really was much better than I was expecting for a just a on demand Hulu movie. But uh, uh, yeah, you yeah, I, I I thought it was good as well. Uh, he he's got that new movie that just came out, uh, The King of Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I haven't checked that one out though. I haven't either, but look good. I, I like Judd Apatow movies. So. <laughs> Always thirty minutes to an hour too long. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool, a fourth act. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Funny. Brian, you see anything anything good? 
you know, honestly, not that I can think of. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I've I've been doing a lot of uh like I guess like music research, I guess is the, the way you talk about or think about. I'm learning a new program and stuff. So oh, okay. Well, cool. I've been nose deep in that. Cool. But, yeah. I did check out the new Shutter. I don't watch Shutter much, but there was this uh, one called uh, Blood Machines. And I was like really excited about it. It gets a lot of YouTube advertisement. And I was like, all right, I've never really watched a lot of Shutter. So I checked it out. Um, and I, I guess it's like a three part little mini series. And I came out not knowing any more than I came in. Oh, really? Uh, it was very, it was, it's a WTF type of, maybe the symbolism is too hard. <laughs> but I, came, I was like, <laughs> what did I just watch? It was beautiful to look at, but it was just like, what's, yeah. what's going on? Uh, all right. Um, existentialism? <laughs> I don't know. What I can't. Huh. Uh, yeah, I, I I've heard a lot of people uh, not getting to a point whenever talking about it. So it's good to know that that's the reason. <laughs> like people being like, "Oh, it's so it's it's well shot and all this stuff," but it's just like, is it fucking good? Is it a good movie or a good thing? Should I waste my time on it? Like, it's gonna it's gonna take a a, a circle of. Uh, dedicated people to do the mathematic equations to figure out if the formula equates a good movie or pretentious bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say I like a lot of pretentious bullshit too. So. <laughs> it's deep, man. It's so deep. You just don't. Get it. It's like, you just don't understand it when the dude turned into a different guy while playing saxophone in that David Lynch movie. Lost that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too deep, man. <laughs> it's like, would you rather go right and everything be left, <laughs> left and everything not be right? Yeah, yeah. That that is a. Um, I, I'm convinced though that David Lynch. Um, so I like his shit, but uh, I'm convinced that there is no art. There is no. Uh, Underlying symbolism. I, I honestly think he doesn't do it. And just, he just might be a weird guy. Yeah, just maybe like, you don't be fucking crazy. The guy just well, totally turned into someone else right here. I think I mentioned it the other day, I watched a short film that he put on YouTube mm -hmm. uh, or somebody put on YouTube that was just David Lynch making quinoa for oh, really? 30 minutes. <laughs> right? And it was like him making quinoa and he was explaining his recipe and then told a story about like crossing the Mexico border. <laughs> and that was it for like 30 minutes. But for some reason it was super entertaining. <laughs> oh yeah. I think the title of it was David Lynch makes quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude. You... <laughs> Fascinating. It, it, it was he, great. <laughs> didn't he have a, a short film that they were pushing real heavily on Netflix last year? And it was like yeah. about uh, him talking to what? Like a rabbit or something? Uh, yeah. But like it, it was a detective. Oh, okay. But he I was mean, the like, detective, the, right? The, the animal was. Oh, okay. Of course, you can't have an animal without it detecting things. <laughs> yeah, we've all seen Zootopia. Um, I think it was. I think it was a a monkey, wasn't it? I don't. I yes, yes, you're right. It was a monkey. 
I don't know yeah. where well, I got I a rabbit. Detective Pikachu set the bar pretty high. Detective really. Pikachu was great. I don't even care, man. <laughs> I rented it. I, I watched half of it, but I fell asleep. Yeah, I enjoyed what I saw. It's not that's, an the, that's the old man in you now. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I watch half of movies more often than not. Um, uh, so, Crawl hit Hulu. The, the, the Crocodile movie? Yeah. Or is it an alligator? You right. get a good view of his teeth. Can you tell? <laughs> I think it was set up to be a croc. Yeah, I, I have no clue. Um, not the movie, the animal. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, don't know. I do know that they're you know stuck in a basement in Florida, and there's no basements in Florida. That's the one thing I know about that movie. There, there was a movie the other day that we watched uh, that had a basement in Texas, and my wife was just like, "Bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> We were debating this, but, but I'm like, well, they have them in like the north area of Texas. It could happen. There's a. <laughs> I wonder what movie it was because we did the exact same thing. Like Kelsey and I had that exact same conversation <laughs> watching something. Was it? Uh, it may have been even on that Waco doc or Waco show. No, uh, we hadn't watched Waco yet, dude. It's good, but I'm only you know me. Shit, I'll probably never finish this. You'll series. never finish it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to the it, sixth episode and be like, nah. In Texas. We don't have uh, basements. We have fallout shelters. Yeah, there are, and that's what I said because, like, her her grandpa actually had one in his backyard. The and one, so it, like, the famous uh, one there in Santa Fe. No, no, this is up near Dallas. Um, yeah, and and so it's like we have those, you know, but it's like nobody really has a basement, especially down in South Texas, because everything is below the water level. Have any of y'all kept up with all this uh, stuff with Fangoria and Cinestate and all of that basically all falling apart due to controversy? I'm not well-versed enough on it to talk. I just was hoping maybe y'all were. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they like, uh, I, I want to say, God, who was it? It was one of those uh, websites, like the very, very... Uh, pundit type web not pundit you know opinionated uh websites but it was like a political s- website maybe like raw story or something ran a uh a story about it and it literally led to the collapse of of you know everyone's everyone's pulled completely out of fangoria there's a big uh, boycott against them and they're trying them and birth movies death are distancing themselves from their parent company and like it's just like this crazy thing um and it it all has to do with like uh, intentional you know corruption like uh, sex scandal shit and uh, all sorts of just crazy stuff uh but yeah like yeah. i don't it know sounds like it's not just one issue but multiple issues yeah. snowballing snowballing yeah yeah and, and so they're wondering you know fangoria just what a year ago just uh rebounded and and kind of uh became a thing again and then now this happened so that's probably the end of fango which hey if it's under that kind of bullshit it needs to go away but still mm-hmm. i don't know do you have some, do you have some old issues fango yeah some i i have always been a horror hound guy always meaning like the last so you decade. should have a couple issues of fangoria you know around I guess, yeah, somewhere. 
<laughs> like, I don't have many. Uh, like, and the issues that I have, I want to say uh, one of them is like Ghost Rider, <laughs> Spirit of Vengeance. Like, it wasn't like any any good uh, iconic type uh, issues. Dude, that movie is iconic. Don't you? I'm sorry. It, it's definitely uh, so bad. It's good laugh fest. I mean, name mm. a better movie where a guy shoots fire out of his penis. Oh, that is true. <laughs> Do it. That is name true. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I dare you. <laughs> oh, what okay. about Billy, Billy Zane and Demon Knight? But he, he didn't right, like, fire, he like, though. It was kind of more uh, green lightning. <laughs> <laughs> I think it counts. It's got to be in the same. And sub- if that does count, he is right. That is a better yeah, movie. <laughs> if it can, but I mean, it's like, well, hold on a second. Because it was blood in Demon Knight because mm-hmm. he scratched like his hand spread it around. He wasn't mm-hmm. like pissing everywhere. He well, cut his no, 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 well, he pees. Like, he, like, unzips, he unzips his like, thing and, like, like... Whoa, he's like, down, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't a big... It was very short. But, yeah, he just unzips and it shoots, like, greenish lightning. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking of a different scene. But, ugh, I don't know if that counts or not. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's close. I, I mean, whatever. What's a better movie? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I actually have some news too. Go for Remember, it. Like last time, I was talking about that movie, The Wretched, that stayed at like box office records because it was like the only movie that's out. Uh huh. Did you hear it was dethroned? <laughs> and if so, by who? <laughs> I I read it, but go ahead with it. Uh, it is a twenty-nine minute horror movie shot entirely on Zoom. With a zero dollar budget, I read that. I read that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, it they made uh, twenty five thousand dollars, <laughs> which put them at the box office spot of number one for the weekend. Yeah, right, which is hilarious. Um, and they said the 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 filmmakers actually said they lost money, um, <laughs> like uh, renting the the theater. <laughs> so, yeah. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, they forewalled it, right? They um, just rented every place that it was shown. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, they probably just filmed downtown anywhere where nothing is going on. <laughs> like, look at this desolated. Well, no, they did it all on Zoom, so it's all like just video conferenced, <laughs> like, uh, like unfriended. Yeah, like unfriended. Um, but it's like a short film; it's only thirty minutes long. <laughs> I gotta love that and spirit. It's 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 freaking great because I mean, like now you know everyone's talking about them, yeah. right? And before, and like if this would have been a normal year, it probably would have been just a short film, you know, that some people watched on YouTube or mm. yeah, maybe get- got uh, maybe got something on Amazon or Shutter or something. But then now it's like. Their record-breaking, <laughs> like number one box office short film. They're trying to catch the Blair Witch uh, success. <laughs> have yeah. fun! Have fun trying to catch that one. <laughs> uh, y'all want to cover the book or movie first? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> you want to cover the book and and Doyle sit there? <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? Go ahead. Let's do the book. Just, I'll just. We'll we'll go ahead with the movie. Uh, Yeah, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. 
Okay, and we're back with our review of In the Mouth of Madness uh, from John Carpenter, written by Michael DeLuca. Okay, so it says, here's the the synopsis from IMDb. An insurance investigator begins discovering that the impact of a horror writer's books have on his fans is more than inspirational. That's kind of sort of what it's about. That's pretty vague, (laughs) but I guess it's accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so so how spoilery are we going to go with this? Because this movie is like 30 years old. I'm fine with going super spoilers, right? Sorry, okay. listeners. It falls deep. But okay. I, I will say, I have never seen this movie until now. I hadn't either. And I love John Carpenter. And for some reason, it, it ain't, you know, there's the whole like trilogy of, uh, I don't even know what they call it, but it's like it's, The Thing, <coughs> this, and Prince of Darkness. The it's the apocalypse trilogy. Ah, uh, okay. And like, the thing is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I've avoided this in Prince of Darkness. So I, uh, I'm glad we get to talk about a little bit all three of them, just semi with the other two. But um, obviously, this is uh, I've been training my whole life for. Uh, <laughs> now, the I uh, I saw this when I was you know when it came to video, very young, and um, I think I was twelve. Uh, got it from videos to go little shout out reference and um, I watched it alone and I wasn't ready for it so I have some nostalgia for it I remember it kind of like really disturbing me uh, that I was part of the problem and I was helping Sutter Kane destroy the world (laughs) well um, that that's a lot on a twelve year old's mind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to take in. Uh, I do like that it, you know, the uh, implication of like uh, the you know the more you read or the more people pay attention to, the more it changes objective reality. Yeah, um, I I enjoy that. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so like you said, this guy. He's Sutter Kane goes missing, and this he's, a, he's an author. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a Stephen King esque author. Yeah, and he had sold over a billion books, <laughs> which is a insane amount for a uh, modern fiction author. But uh, yeah. it seemed like he was pretty prolific, though, because it was like he had tons of novels. Like yeah. there was a whole like section in the bookstore of Sutter Kane novels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It seemed more like the bookstore was exclusively Sutter Kane novels. <laughs> like it was uh, like, like you said, the entire section just like, Oh my God, does this guy ever, is he Dean Koontz? <laughs> 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 like, Intensity. You know, I've never read a Dean Koontz thing. Never once. And I have, I went to that library sale. I told you about that. Did we talk yeah. about it on here where I've got like five yeah. Dean Koontz things? But yeah, for no reason. <laughs> just to, I, I keep calling them things. Books is what they're <laughs> called. Intensity. <laughs> yeah, I, I did get intensity. I'm, I'm pretty, but the one I wanted to read was Twilight Eyes. Back to the movie discussion. Sorry, guys. No, that's fine. Trift off. <laughs> you guys like <laughs> cheese? <laughs> See, like all guys t- reading Sutter Kane? <laughs> Do we uh, <laughs> look? Look, what you need to know about this movie is that obviously it was very heavily um, influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. It's it's a call. Um, many of the books in the movie are basically callbacks to um, 
some HP Lovecraft, you know, the whisper of the dark is the whisper of in the darkness, the thing in the basement, the thing on the doorstep, the Hobbs and horror, the Dunwich or, you know, I could go on, but um, it's just, I like, there's not been a lot of HP Lovecraft type movies. And I think it gives that cosmic horror. Um, The, the three, but, uh, movies in the trilogy are all having to do with sort of cosmic horror things of the unknown um you know with the thing it's a you know alien type monster but we don't you don't know what it is really the prince of darkness it's it's like you know uh, cosmic satan <laughs> our space <laughs> satan space satan can we can we trademark that space satan um and now <laughs> yes i would say uh, other than this, that's probably his most underrated film, and probably one that deserves a remake in some way, if he'll ever let anyone touch it. Um, uh, the uh, Prince of Darkness. You know what I think is a really underrated Carpenter movie: Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Really? Oh, what a good time that is! That's a good. Uh, um, the only thing I remember about that movie, and I've seen it twice and own it, but uh, only and thing the I remember remake. the ice cream truck. Uh, yeah, I like the remake better. Sorry, but yeah, the remake. Uh, yeah, the ice cream truck. The little girl, like <laughs> you know, <laughs> vanilla, please, vanilla, please. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like like the opening scene of the movie. Right? Nah, nah, it's like twenty minutes in, but it's like the introduction of the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like opening of the second act. How do we? How do we like set these guys up as really bad? <laughs> kill a child. <laughs> Let's have them kill a child. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh. But yeah, maybe it's time for me to revisit. I, I'm just happy you didn't say like Ghost of Mars or The Ward, <laughs> <Ghost of Mars. laughs> which I I am down any time. Uh, to have a Ghost of Mars viewing, oh, um, but man. <laughs> but the Ward, you're, an, you're a Ghost of Mars apologist. No, I'm just okay. I've never even watched it all. Uh, <laughs> I just own it. Um, it's not good what I've seen, but uh, but freaking uh, the Ward is the worst. I thing refuse I've ever to watch that movie. I hear too many bad things, and I just don't want to get dude disappointed. And when it came out in like what oh nine, I video or i vod'd it on comcast which means it's like 14 dollars or some shit at the time and i was so mad like carpenter <laughs> everything he touches solid gold not so much in his golden years uh yeah. many say in the mouth of madness is his last good film now you know you can be a escape from la apologist uh, and uh carpenter's vampires is yeah. I, I think it's good viewing but i don't think it's like it's one of his best but it's yeah, it's but dude, then he made watch. cigarette burns after that, which I, yeah, not... I, another one I recently watched. Cigarette burns um, is amazing. Yeah, I love cigarette burns. It um, is good, but it, it shows in the fact that uh, Norman Reedus is not the best actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will say the first time I watched cigarette burns, it did disturb me though. Like, not like you know shivering under the covers <laughs> but, but i was just like wow that was a lot more intense than i would have thought yeah yeah so. and it does have some themes going back to the movie at hand of you know something that you view and it changes your perception of reality yeah, yeah. Uh, okay so let me say first and foremost i do not like sam neil i i what? don't <laughs> yeah i know um 
I, no, no, that was a he's real. A national I know, I know, I know it's back. real, but yeah, I don't like him as an actor. But he did fantastic in this movie. He holds this whole movie I, together, in my opinion. But go ahead. Oh, that, that's it. I mean, um, you know, like he was fantastic in this. Uh, I think honestly, it was just his character in what was it, Omen Three, where <laughs> that, Damien. Huh? His character. He was Damien. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, that iteration, the old Damien, sucked. <laughs> like, I didn't like that movie. I'm not a huge, huge Omen trilogy. Or was there four? I think there was only three, right? I'm not a huge yeah. Omen fan. I want to go down that are. tunnel. There's probably prequels and but, spinoffs. But, <laughs> prequels is just her being pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary's baby. Yeah. Oh, uh, dude. Uh, Oh, that reminds me. I was listening to this thing about the uh, like uh, and no dogs in space episode about the misfits, and they were talking about this other band, and the band's name was Rosemary's Babies, and I <laughs> thought that was awesome. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, no, I just I think I liked him out of anything he's ever been in. Which you know what? Maybe I just don't like him in the Omen Three because I love Event Horizon, and I'm not a huge Jurassic Park fan, but uh, he did good in it <laughs> but yeah. but this this movie he uh really like you said he held it together he was fantastic um and you know even especially uh, towards the end yes whenever he's just like he doesn't know if he's going crazy or not mm-hmm. he pulled the crazy off extremely well now, yeah the, that's uh probably the best part is um his character john trent um, is so straight laced and whatnot. Even towards the end, he's like, "No, no, no! You can't pull one over on this guy." And just like his slow descent to madness feels so well realized. Like he's like, uh, and, 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 and in the movie, she kind of um, her his partner Styles, uh, I guess, an editor for the book, um, goes with him and, and kind of gives you a hint of maybe the, the endings. Like, what if your perception of reality wasn't? you know, what you thought it was, you'd be finding yourself in a padded cell. And, you know, it's like, no, I know what reality is. And hmm. it, 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 he tries so hard to try to, you know, capture. Well, cause um, that's like, that's what he does for a living is, is looks for what's real and what's not. Cause he's an insurance adjuster, which is a fairly mundane thing, but he's basically, a detective and he's seeing you know where the truth lies and then that whole perception of it is challenged over the over the course of the, the movie and so it's like i don't know a, a lot of the lovecraft books and stuff are like just normal like blue collar workers you yeah. know like there are a lot that are like dealing with uh you know historians and like um archaeologists and stuff but like a lot of them are like uh, Color Out of Space is a guy who surveys for like you know water tables, yeah, and stuff, and it's like <laughs> just being thrust into this situation that's out of control. Um, but I, I think it was neat because like the the whole thing, uh, you know, there's like this this philosophical concept of uh, solip solipsism. I can never say it correctly. Where it's like the only reality is the one that you perceive. Mm -hmm. right and so it's like you have no clue if other people are seeing the same reality or if there even is another reality outside of your own mind right and 
this kind of like took that idea and it's like turned it around and it's like what if you're not in control of the reality what if it's not your perceptions that are making the reality because like uh Sutter Kane at the end even said like um I think therefore you are yeah and it was like that for some reason to me like really like really stuck out you know as like the the oh damn movement of a moment of that movie <laughs> right mm-hmm. um but I, I don't know there was a there was a lot of a lot of good things going on uh, it requires multiple viewing i, I think yeah. it, it's one of those you'll pick up on some i would love to talk about just a little bit um uh, the wonderful cameos in this movie there's a there's a lot to uh to kind of dissect i don't know if y'all caught any of those <laughs> the young uh, hayden christensen <laughs> Yeah, it's a young Hayden Christensen. What about what about Vigo? Vigo from I thought you meant Mortensen. I was like, did I miss Vigo Mortensen? How the hell did I miss Vigo <laughs> no, Mortensen? <laughs> the villain from uh, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. Um, yeah. Also, uh, uh, of course, uh, Peter Jason, who's in a I think he's like in seven Carpenter films. The the uh, guy he's in. You know, grilling at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the as trying to get the insurance check. Yeah, the He's guy in, who's not Brian Dennehy. And- <laughs> the the guy who looks like Brian Dennehy, but yeah. isn't him. <laughs> Low rent Brian Dennehy. <laughs> uh, who else is in there? Uh, of course, we can talk. Uh, the late great Charlton Heston. Um, yeah, that, that's just awesome that they. You know, he got him there. Yeah, I was very surprised when it was Charlton Heston. Like at first, I was like, "That looks like Charlton Heston," but he wouldn't be in this. That's Charlton <laughs> yeah, Heston. No. <laughs> like, what in the shit? Um, but yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah. Uh, also, um, uh, what's his name? David Warner, uh, mm. the uh, the doctor that um, comes in and interviews him in the. Uh, uh, Why he's in the padded cell, you know, from Tron, Titanic. Yeah, uh, that a, guy's a, a fantastic character actor. Uh, yeah, he's, he's he's great. I didn't know his name, but when he came in, I was like, oh, that guy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, this movie, I'm going to go ahead and say, all right. So the thing will always hold a place like as one of my favorite horror movies ever. But this is like right up there. And I was very surprised because, you know. Carpenter has made a lot of great movies, but for some reason, if if it's a Carpenter movie I haven't seen, much like a Wes Craven movie I haven't seen, I just assume that it's one of the weaker ones. And that's <laughs> that's on me. I get it. But what I'm saying is getting your expectations too high with Carpenter or Craven, for that matter, on, on some of their lesser... Uh, you know, not lesser known because this is a widely known movie, but it's not really acclaimed at the level that I would expect after seeing it. Um, but like getting your expectations up is sometimes a bad idea with them because, you know, for every, like I said, you know, you may get the ward. You may get ghost. You may get the ward. <laughs> so, That's true. And, uh, but like, man, this movie was so solid. I was very impressed. Um, like, I I really, like, I don't know that I could have loved this movie more. Uh, it may, 
it may be, you know, like I said, low expectations, definitely hold a, uh, hold a, a part in it. But the other thing is just like, I love the implications of it. I like the tone of the the movie where it stayed. It never really went for camp, even though there were some moments where it could have very easily. It stayed very serious through it. Um, um, I don't know. I like the HP Lovecraft stuff, even though I, the one thing that, where this movie goes is the territory that's so tropey and basically the end of most HP Lovecraft things where the guy sees something and he goes insane and the end of the world is oh, coming. Dude, that was like, like one of my favorite parts. Cause she's narrating it, mm-hmm. you know, like reading the book. Oh, when he's so staring like, into the, the abyss. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, it was hilarious to me because like, it, that's exactly how you know ninety five percent of Lovecraft is, where it's just like he sees something so horrible he can't describe it, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's like, and then it's showing him looking in, but what you're seeing is just pure blackness, mm-hmm. and so it's like yeah. you see him seeing something he can't describe while not showing it. And yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Well, what he does see, uh, yeah. shout out to the practical effects yeah. also in this movie. Um, uh, they're on, they're on full effect. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. ILM. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I want to say that um, this is, I this is actually his maybe second lowest grossing film in his catalog when it came out. It just came out at the wrong time. People weren't ready for a new you know, not slasher type horror film. This was something that like, you know, you had to step outside your comfort zone um, just before scream made the slasher genre a little more popular in the nineties. And it went under the radar and, and since forth it has gained uh, quite a bit of cult following. Um, there's a lot of love for this film. Um, Sam Neill, we'll go back to him. He's, he's went on record and said, this is one of his favorite films that he's done. Uh, he's done a lot of horror films, actually, you know, The Possession. Yeah. I told you a little bit about that one, The Omen 3, uh, Event Horizon. Uh, there's probably some more in there. Uh, he did, he was Jurassic in... Jurassic Park is a horror. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's be get, Yeah, let's Creature, yeah. Uh, uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, uh, which isn't a horror film, but, you know, uh, it's, it's like another... Chevy Chase comedy. Film. It's another Carpenter <laughs> film with Chevy Chase. And I don't, yeah. Um, people forget about that one. <clears throat> I would say rightfully so, but <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I would say this and Event Horizon are the, my favorite things I've ever seen Sam Neill in. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, unless you want to go further into the plot, I, which we can. I don't have a whole lot more to say other than the fact that I was very surprised at uh, like almost everything that uh, that Sutter Kane said was directly like H.P. Lovecraft. Did y'all notice? Yeah. Like, yeah, there was a lot of quotes from his books. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was I would say I know that this isn't technically a H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. But I think this is maybe my favorite H.P. Lovecraft thing on film. And I don't count the thing because uh, it's just kind of... No, the, the, the most recent Color Out of Space yeah, no, is and super that, good. That's fantastic. But I would put this, I would put this up there, though. Um, I did find a quote by the writer, mm-hmm. uh, DeLuca, right, who was talking about um, 
uh, about it being a HP Lovecraft story. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, here, I'm going I'm to say it. it's, a, it's a couple sentences. So it's like uh, talking about how uh, he worked at New Line Cinema. Right. And he had to walk uh, across the Port Authority transit terminal every morning to take the subway home. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is about this because it was like <clears throat> it says. It was a really scummy building in a scummy area, and I just started to think that all the homeless people lying on the floor and hanging around the Port Authority, and a lot of New Yorkers in general, were a different species. Late at night, it got pretty scary, and I started to think, what if everyone wandering around me is part of this otherworldly conspiracy to replace the human race? So I combined that with a Lovecraft myth about a a race of ancient beings who controlled the Earth at one point and then were banished and have been trying to claw their way back ever since. It took off from there, and the last thing to gel was the idea of this writer being like a combination of Stephen King and L. Ron Hubbard, so popular that his fans constitute a religion. So, uh, we can say, uh, what is his name? Michael DeLuca, correct? Yeah. Um, uh, this is definitely his best uh, writing effort, in my opinion, <laughs> because you got the you got a uh, you could weigh in nineteen ninety five Judge Dredd. Mm, that was a, that was <laughs> we were good. actually talking about that movie the other day. <laughs> and, and Freddy's Nightmare, the final or Freddy's uh, Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare, which fans love that movie. Let me tell you what. Uh, oh god! And he also worst he wrote the worst episode of Star Trek Voyager. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> he, he actually went on to be a very successful producer, the social yeah. network, and it, it, you know he's, Moneyball. He's, yeah, God, uh, I he's, love Moneyball. he's done very well for himself. But his writing credits is you know it's a short list, but it's uh, you know highlighted of of different things. Um, I did want to go over just a few um, interesting little Easter eggs in the because the as I said, you watch the Mouth of Madness again uh, when. You know, when you're ready, you'll you'll see, you'll notice little things um, that you didn't notice before. Uh, interesting little factoids, like the the that church that they see, you mm-hmm. know, in there with the golden onions on top, as it's described, uh, was actually a real church out there, a German Orthodox church. It wasn't a map painting like a lot of people think it is. Yeah, I straight up did think that was a mad painting. No, it's just really like, out there in the middle of nowhere. It's it just you're like, what? Uh, um, hmm. The the scene where she uh, swallows the keys, trying to uh, get out of there. I, I love that scene. Um, where he just straight up punches her. It's like, yeah, yeah punched her. Like, there was a lot of a couple of times. There was yeah, a lot like, of punching the styles. The keys are actually made out of pasta. Uh, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, she really did eat the keys. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> the scene where they're in the car, where it's just like it. I I, I like that scene where they're kind of it. It seems like they're in a portal of blackness. Um, the car was actually um, covered in uh, like in a, a dark blanket, um, and it was just like shot, just like you know, within there. Which is, I, I always thought, you know, they try to. I think this movie had a budget of eight million or something. Or it, it's it was minuscule, uh, so that you know, Carpenter being the genius, you know, w- w- Halloween's budget very small, but he did what he could. Uh, a lot of interesting things with what he did uh, with the small amount of money. I always, I always think that's cool. Yeah, that, that budget, if I remember right, was only like a quarter of a million. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like back then. 
you know, half of that budget would be film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so just buying film stock. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Uh, um, also, I wanted to point out that uh, this, um, <clears throat> uh, as far as the horror trilogy, that um, uh, the, well, I, I thought I was going somewhere. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about, <laughs> we talked about the thing and uh, the Prince of Darkness uh, as well. I think it has a little more with the Prince of Darkness. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that film for some reason. And I, I can, it is a product of its time. If you watch that one, it, it's, I would say it's his most underrated, The Prince of Darkness. I don't know. Could we agree on that? I haven't seen it. I, I the, own the, it on VHS and, and tend to watch it now. But I, I think the, the mo- that's the movie that deserves a remake more than his others because it, it does have a pacing problem and um, just some editing choices that. It, doesn't make the it flow you know it, it, uh, maybe it's me i like this it's nice snappy um especially in those type of well, movies you said a prince of dark or the prince of darkness was a product of its time but that's also something that uh that surprised me about this other than the fact of uh, lack of cell phones like this movie didn't feel dated to me in a lot of aspects i mean yeah. certain aspects of like quote unquote modern day New York that felt dated only because it was like that was definitely pre uh pre mid nineties cleanup of New York. Uh, and also the fact that they were in like a nineteen ninety two Ford Taurus. Yeah. But I mean it, it didn't yeah. feel you know now movies like it or not, uh they are basically ADD movies you know you have quick shots even if the pacing's slow on a plot level you have quick shots boom 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 you know and this did not seem it it didn't have quick shots or anything but it didn't feel slow and it didn't feel dated to me i was very 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 surprised at how much i love this movie um yeah um go ahead Oh, nothing. I, I don't know if you've ever uh, actually listened to our podcast before, but we are uh, pretty hard on our grading system here. Uh, not like intentionally. I, I think I'd like two fives. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do I? Like, I think we've had like two or three fives. I, I, yeah, there's not been many quote unquote perfect movies. Like I, I grade things a lot harder on here versus like on uh, you know Amazon reviews or something like that. It's oh, like, so you're on a one to five rating? Yeah, one to five, um, one to five scale, three, three, three and a half being middle of the road uh, or better, not middle of the road, better than average, and almost everything falls between three and four if we like it. That said, you don't throw any half numbers in there. You don't oh, do yeah. the three and a half stars oh yeah we, we've we've even uh given uh you know quarter stars like 3.75 but we generally <laughs> oh don't God. do that that's brutal <laughs> i know yeah yeah and like you said uh i think I, I honestly think the count is like six of five star because i mean unless really? yeah I, because i can, I, I can I, see I think uh, I well I gave Bone Tomahawk one. I don't think you did. Um, Man, you just brought up Bone Tomahawk. That gave uh, me that gave me the, some butterflies in my. Stomach. I think I think the only one that we both gave fives to 
was uh, Mad Max and Ghost Watch. I didn't give Mad Max. Oh yeah, five. you did. I gave it four so and a half. So I think the only one we've we've been consensus on was Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch. Now we have given more books fives. I I, yeah. I know we ba- we both gave it House of Leaves and Womb fives. Um, Seems right. And that Adam Cesare novel. What was that? Uh, Zero Lives Remaining. That was our first. Dude, five. that book was good. I love that book. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we've done less movies than books. That said, I'm ready to give another five. Really? Yeah, I love this movie. Like, absolutely loved it. I was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. You know, we we've had hell trying to schedule <laughs> this. There's been lots of conflicts. Um, and so this fell off Shutter, and I was like, God dog it i gotta pay money to rent this shit and so anyway uh so uh i was like oh man so anyway uh i was all ready to you know i had it in my mind that i was already mad at the movie but no i loved it <laughs> loved it by the end of it i was like shit i gotta get this thing like i gotta find it on v- vhs or dvd you know i guess blu-ray would work as well <laughs> but uh <laughs> <laughs> you gotta find it on laser disc. <laughs> well, you know me and my VHS is beta max. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like yeah, I, I'm gonna say five out of five. This, even including the new color out of space, this is my favorite Lovecraft thing I've ever seen. Okay, no, I mean, like I, I totally respect that opinion. Um, I feel like <sighs> it was shit. Two out of five. No, 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 no. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like there's something about say the first half of it uh-huh that i don't know really didn't like grab me right away uh-huh. sort of thing right um but i'll say once you get to that third act right that the the movie becomes fantastic um like that third act was amazing but i would say for me strong four and a half so I mean, it's still it's still up there. It's 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 a great movie, and it is definitely a great like Lovecraft uh, inspired thing. Um, but also, you know, Stephen King inspired and stuff too. There's a lot that feels like him as well. Um, but then you start to realize how much Stephen King kind of reminds you of Lovecraft. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just in general. <laughs> and and so I'd say he's like, less racist, but <laughs> yeah, a little less racist. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. There's a lot of in He loved crap. He was racist. Yeah. Oh yeah, super racist. <laughs> it's like don't tell anyone. <laughs> no. But but I mean, there was a there was a lot of n words in it. Yeah, Just but saying, it, I, it, hey, that was a product of its time. <laughs> but it was it was also like eighties. You know, uh, it wasn't glorifying. It, well, I mean, you know, no, it, it was depicting. I guess the what was it? The fifties or yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that was basically showing that it that uh, Pennywise had a grip on the town of Derry. Yeah, and it was oh, amplifying their fears. We talked about we talked about it for like. It's kind of like this book that we're about to cover. There's a lot of things in the book <laughs> that were a product of its time. Also, it was written this year but yeah. <laughs> but you Christ know this time 2020 <laughs> no i mean like you know you can't really write about i mean i guess you could but you can't uh it'd be disingenuous yeah you gotta write about things in in the time that they appeared yeah so anyway four and a half out of five <laughs> all right solid solid four and a half out of five all right, all right. Uh, all right. 
Right. Well, I mean, like, it's going to be a surprise for me uh, <laughs> what I'm going to pick. Yeah. No, but I just want to mm-hmm. say um, why this is uh, my favorite uh, John Carpenter film. I mean, there's that's like, you know, what's your favorite child? There's so many, you know, They Live, um, Escape from New York. I have a lot of fond memories of that as well. Uh, the Thing is a horror masterpiece in my mind. Um, but I like this as my favorite of his because... Um, I really like the buildup, the buildup. It's a slow, it kind of slow burn gets you into, um, into it. And then it just really takes over. And I, 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 I had my son watch this with me uh, and just seeing his like naked reaction. I want to say he wasn't naked. My son wasn't naked. <laughs> Maybe I said that wrong, but that is actually how you would say that. His, his very first viewing reaction. And he was like, you know, Dad, because uh, he watched the thing with me too. He's like, eh, that wasn't so scary, but then, like he was talking about it later. Uh, he's like, oh man, that was that was messed up. But this one, he was like, man, that's this movie's like psychological horror, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what he and and it's very good psychological horror um, to the basis. All the creepy things, you know, that's probably a product of um, them wanting to. Hey, it's you know Carpenter. We got to get some like thing type references, but this is very good psychological horror. Just the editing, uh, the quick shots of um, the acting. Obviously, um, I'm gonna give this a five out of five. No, you know, no surprise there. Um, as a very good psychological HP Lovecrafting and uh, book slash movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Slash book within a book and movie yeah. within a movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> a, a, a movie adaptation of a book within a movie. <laughs> Meta. Yeah. Yeah. Take yeah. that Shakespeare. <laughs> God, we reference everything. You Shakespeare. fucking hack. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's always doing that play within a play bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that is true. I just, yeah, I uh, just, I thought you were just saying take that Shakespeare for no. No, reason. no, it was an actual. Yeah, God, you guys. No, you know who can take that? L. Ron Hubbard <laughs> and your space cosmic religion. Yeah, you know, I, I actually have a couple of L. Ron Hubbard books that I've been meaning to read. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I hear they're so bad. There's some of his actual science fiction books. Yeah, I hear they're so bad, like the worst books ever. You're like only helping them. I mean, like I heard, like he basically started a religion because he was such a hack writer. You know what I mean? Like it's like he got no respect. But anyway, we're, we're, we're that's a whole other. I'd like to know what his them is. You know, his them. <laughs> Every schizo. Zenu. <laughs> they. I thought I thought you were talking about them, the giant ant movie for a second, and I was like, whoa, are we going there? No. We're- <laughs> It's like we're gonna quote the uh, we're gonna quote in the mouth of madness. Reason you want to know about yeah. my them, don't you? I'd like to point <laughs> out that all disparaging views of Elron Hubbard uh, uh, do not reflect this podcast, as they are a litigious <laughs> bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's face it, we could use the publicity you know that being attacked by Scientology would bring. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll be back with our review of The Magpie Coffin by Wile E. Young. And thanks for coming on, Troy. I, yeah, I, we appreciate it. Uh, I, your insight in this movie was much uh, much appreciated. 
I appreciate y'all. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Welcome back. It's like the most defeated. Like, welcome back for some reason. Okay, guys. Here we go again. No, the beginning. After we had already done it, you said, I hate you. So I was laughing about that. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, uh, yeah, we are talking uh, The Magpie Coffin by Wild E. Young. And uh, yeah, this is the first of the Splatter Western. Uh, books by Death's Head Press. Obviously, we read the second book, which they're, you know, standalone books, so it didn't really matter. But we yeah, read I'm the... I'm not sure why we didn't do first one first, though. I Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the thing was is they were they were looking for reviews on, uh, on Hunger on the Chisholm Trail since it was dropping right around uh-huh. the time that the last episode was supposed to happen, but got delayed. Um, yeah. And so we, they gave us both of those. Now there is a third book uh, coming out. It just came out. Or, or it or dust or whatever it's yeah, called. By right, uh, is it? Uh, Chris Miller dust. Yeah. Th- that just came out. Like you said. Um, and then uh, Brian Smith, who we covered the fucking zombie apocalypse from, he signed on to do one. <laughs> And I forget the other Dude, person. I am so excited. Yeah, I, uh, like these are great. These are great. I mean, I I like basically everything. I don't have all the Death's Head press books, but I have most of them. And uh, I I'm more excited about these than just a normal Death's Head press title. And I haven't seen a bad Death's Head press title so far. So yeah. that kind of tells you something. Um, yeah. So these are great. Um, but. This one focuses, uh, it's a little, whereas the last book was about the Wendigo, this one is more of a, just a revenge tale. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it basically follows <clears throat> a, uh, let, let's say supernatural cowboy, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, on his mission to avenge the death of his, uh, shaman teacher. Yes. Um, and he basically, uh, one thing I loved about this book is it kind of leaves you in the dark. It it builds up his own, uh, character as the story goes, but it's just like, you know, he's like, you know, got all these, got all these body parts and I collect stories and souls and stuff. And you're like, what the fuck am I reading? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, uh, but, but I'll have to say though, like. Uh, I am actually a fan of it just being, you know, dropped into a world, mm-hmm. right? And um, this one, like, had me hooked from the beginning, yeah, right? Because uh, also I'm a sucker for super, like supernatural, occulty things, right? And that's what this was, but just with cowboys, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and it's and so it's like uh, they call him the Black Magpie. And I don't know how you are on your ornithology knowledge. Um, <laughs> I, I did look it up. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, magpies collect things. Yeah. Right. That's like their whole deal is like they'll take like anything shiny and put it in their nest, mm-hmm. like rocks and stuff, like even <laughs> stuff that's not good for for nest building. Um, and so like this character uh, does that, but like basically with trophies 
um, from people he kills. So like fingers and scalps, eyeballs, um, stuff like that. And so he's traveling around in a stagecoach. That's basically his, um, you know, arcane storage vessel, right? And so it's filled with blood and yeah, it's almost like weird. his his altar slash museum to death. Yeah, you know? and 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 that's like in the first chapter, and I'm like, okay, I'm so down for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like I don't care who this guy is. I wanna I wanna know more about him. Um, so I was I was pretty hooked uh, from from part number one. Um, I will say, uh, com- the the first one we read, which is ironically number two, but was pretty gory at parts, mm-hmm. right? But I'd say this one was worse. Oh like, yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> this, I agree. This the, one really put the splatterpunk in splatterpunk western. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think that the you know Hunger on the Chisholm Trail was more of a horror story. Yeah, this it also has supernatural elements. Obviously, we have a supernatural cowboy, but yeah. um, or just an occult type cowboy. Um. But uh, the first one w- was more of a horror tale, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, this one. Was, he, he, what's what's weird about the first one? It was it was almost like, in a way, like Alien. Mm-hmm. You know, where you're stuck on mm-hmm. like somewhere with this this monster, mm-hmm. right? But ironically, it was stuck out in the middle of nowhere in the great wide open. Yeah, and, and you <laughs> could go anywhere, but he's just gonna keep following. Yeah, um, yeah I. I really, uh, uh, I've enjoyed both of them a, a lot. And yeah. I like the fact that, you know, part of me is like, man, they kind of missed an opportunity by creating it in a bigger world, you know, just expanding upon the world. Even if you have an agreed upon map, you know, that these things happen here, these things happen there. And and then a, a bigger part of me is like, I'm so happy they didn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm happy that these are standalone, that you, you don't, uh, even have the callbacks from each other. It's just like, yeah. here's all these fucked up tales from the old West. But, but they, they could like be in the same, you know, they, they could be in the same play, like in the same world, you know, cause it's like the world they're in is just, you know, 1800s America. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They could. Um, and they probably are. <laughs> but I'm just saying like any more well, crossovers. We'll see whenever or, there's the big, uh, Avenger style, um, you know, splatterpunk western series. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like uh, that. This almost felt like a serial. Also, you know, like this is like book one of it. You know, like yeah. this did not. Yeah, yeah. It told a story of revenge, but it's also like this cowboy has got a lot of killing ahead of him. <laughs> right got a lot of killing to do yeah yeah this one felt more like pulpy mm-hmm. right like like you're saying like um almost like because it was also broken down in many more chapters right there was like 26 chapters or something in here mm-hmm. and they were all like they were all like it could have been a monthly installment in a western magazine yeah yeah so it did it did feel uh, a little more pulpy uh, which was fun. Like, uh, I'm cool with that. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. Like, I, I think so much of this was, um, 
I don't, I don't know. Like it, it pushed a lot of my buttons, like in a good way, not like me <laughs> like uh, I'm steaming angry. Uh, can't yeah. believe there's Satan stuff in my book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I loved it as well. Um, you know, obviously this is a brand new title. I don't want to give too much of it away. That's not really out there which is uh, unfortunate especially after how uh you know spoilery we were able to go on the last thing that we covered um but um you know the writing was fantastic in yeah. this um it, it was very tight you know we've talked before the fact that we tend to read the books the day before because <laughs> that's how we operate even house of leaves i read almost 400 pages the day before and we had like a month and a half break <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway um yeah so this to, book to had, be fair i only finished it up yesterday i read most of it before I read 5% before yesterday and 95% of it last night. Um, And like I told you earlier, toward the last 10% of the book, I kept falling asleep because it was three in the morning and I I was falling asleep and like dreaming up characters and shit. Like my book, like it just kept continuing on this as I'm falling asleep. Uh, It was so weird how he rode like an elephant into battle though. Yeah, that was so bizarre. Uh, (laughs) artistic interesting artistic choice uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but um but no i mean like it was it was so well made uh these characters were great i like that it was at its heart a simple revenge story um yeah i also really liked some of the implications of the his dead teacher that he drug around in a coffin behind his stagecoach. Was it behind the stagecoach or just the horse dragging it? I, uh, I think it was it, behind it the... It was on the stagecoach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I like that he, uh, that that guy really kind of wasn't dead and it wasn't just to him. I mean, he was dead. He was definitely dead, but it was the occult stuff that was yeah, kind of having him. It was the actual coffin that was keeping him Yes. From passing over. Yeah. Which is not explained until way later into the book. (laughs) Yeah. I just like that other characters saw shit happening as well, you know? Yeah. But there was, like, still an air of secrecy about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, um, he didn't necessarily want to give away the secrets that were happening, Mm -hmm. you know, and and let people know that what was happening was real or not. Mm -hmm. And so it's like... You know, the whole, like, um, mystique about it or or the mystery behind it, like, in a way, gives it more power. Yeah. Um, like Batman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking he was uh, almost a Constantine-type character as well. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, <laughs> yes, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was an interesting book. I am so... So, so down. Hey, as long as Death Dead Press wants to keep giving us these books, then <laughs> <laughs> I am I am down. Uh, shit, are we just a, West, a splatter western podcast? <laughs> like, Why not? We're in Texas. <laughs> uh, but this is also a good opportunity to jump in early on something if you want to collect like all the paperbacks and stuff. Um, and these authors, are, you know, uh, by and large, I, I mean, Brian Smith, uh, it would be the highest profile uh, author there, but I, I think that this will be a great uh, opportunity to get 
basically all the books in, in a collection like signed, you know, assuming yeah. they don't get like Clyde Barker or Stephen King. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, oh, God, there's no way to get that signature. But uh, but congratulations if they got Clyde Barker or Stephen King. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is also the first thing by Wiley Young that I've read. I, I know he did the catfish in the cradle that they did, uh, that they published, uh, was one of their first titles. And um, he's working, God, what else did he do? I think he did, did he do the Perfectly Fine House? I'm not sure. Uh, Wiley well, Young. Let's see, real quick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he... Yeah, he did the perfectly fine house with Stephen Kozanowski. Um and uh he did Catfish in the Cradle, Corporate Cthulhu. I didn't know the, anything about that. Oh, okay, that's a anthology. But long story short, he's a uh, newer author um and definitely new for me. This is the first I've read from him and I'm very very uh surprised uh at you know his level of competency in in just writing you know there it, it wasn't a raw type writer you know no yeah it like if if i would have had no clue that this was so this is his first no, like, no. or one of his first big things yeah he's done uh, uh, this is yeah he's, i think he's got 3 novels yeah but, i would have had no clue like i feel like this would have been seasoned um western writer especially yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh it, it almost feels like uh what was it guy and smith you know that type like the yeah. you know the crabs are here <laughs> <You know? laughs> like like it felt like that pulpy to me but also that uh-huh. level of competency you know yeah. his writing is fantastic um I think if you're a fan of Westerns, these are a no-brainer to get on, just like we talked about last episode. But also, if you are not a uh, fan of Westerns, this is a great tale of revenge and, and uh, you know, occult uh, mysticism. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I highly, highly recommend this book. I liked it yeah. so, so much. Well, you got yeah. I mean, like it. I don't know. I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, incredibly well written. The the pace was good. There was you know, um, there were points of like exposition. You know, because it goes in because it's a tale of revenge. He's hunting uh, a few people, um, mm-hmm. six people, I think it was whatever. And it goes into like backstory sometimes of ancillary characters that have no real um impact on the plot Mm -hmm. but it was done in an organic way because that's one of the things that the magpie collected was stories Mm -hmm. and so he would ask stories about people he was about to kill and things and so i thought it was a a really clever way to flesh out a universe right and give like lots of information without it being just page dumps like of info Tolkien or something like that. What? Yeah. Just page dumps of info, like unnecessary. Yeah. And so it was, it was a really smart way to do it. Um, and it, it felt like, um, you know, like you were interested in it because 
for whatever reason, the main character was interested in it, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so it's like, you know, there, there's something about, you know, od- oddly, it's like, um, we never seem to do this on purpose except for last episode, but like where there's some sort of thematic connection mm-hmm. between the two things. And this one in a way had this sort of, uh, at least for this one, it was a subplot about how like the stories actually have power. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, for, for him, for the magpie, like these stories were, um, hit, his occult power you know it's like he got something out of it uh everything or every like part of a person is um has some sort of power behind it and and i thought it was just neat and it is it was just you know again it was just like a really clever way to flesh out characters and places without it feeling um overdrawn yeah i agree um I, I thought it was, it was very, just very well, well crafted and damn, I want, I want more of these books. Like I think splatter Westerns, one of my new favorite, uh, things like just in general, (laughs) have you seen the the cover to dust? Yeah, I've seen the cover. I haven't, I don't know what it's about yet. I don't know what it's about yet, but I'm a hundred percent down already. (laughs) <laughs> the dude with a shotgun in front of a church with lots of tentacles coming out of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally down for Good it. Good lord, <laughs> that that sounded like the loudest wind chime ever. Sorry, it's my alarm <laughs> or my phone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Justin T. Coons is doing all these uh, all these covers to these uh-huh. books, and you know they're all like just fantastic paintings. Um, yeah. I, man, I, I really, really want to get uh, all of them in paperback. Uh, you should. I, I should. I mean, they're what, like maybe ten bucks each. I've I've um, quit collecting horror hounds. There's, you know, this is this can be my new thing. But uh, man, I'm like a, I'm like my own little magpie here, just collecting bullshit. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Uh, long story short pros we've mentioned quite a few what did you see any uh glaring cons or um i mean glaring <laughs> no i mean like i can Wait. see all right so if you go into something um expecting you know splatterpunk then you're gonna be you know something with the, the label splatterpunk you're you're um you're expecting something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you're going into this just wanting to read a pulp um, western, mm-hmm. uh, you'll probably be m- maybe grossed out by a few scenes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so it's definitely like I don't know if this one is really just for western fans in general, right? Um, but if you're expecting the level of violence and the level of gore, um, then you're in for a treat. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just thinking, Oh, I'm going to read about the man with no name, then <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, uh, but I mean, that, that's kind of to be expected and it's to be expected with the same thing with the other one. You know, it's like you, you kind of know what you're getting into. Um, 
but I don't know if that's that's not really really a criticism. No, um, but also likewise, you know, like you said, if you're expecting like, I don't know that these. I mean, they're splatter westerns. I guess they're spider punk, but they neither of them reach a level of brutality that like Ed Lee or or someone like that does. Yeah, you know. So I don't know that they're really splatter punk books. Maybe they are. Uh, maybe they're not. I don't know. They're not. They're not. Uh, like you say, they're gory. Um. They're not super, uh, at least these two are not, they're definitely not like extreme horror, you know? Yeah. But they are gory, but both yeah. of them kind of felt comic booky in serial to me, you know? Like, like, uh, uh, but I, hell, I don't care. <laughs> do, you, do you care? <laughs> like, uh, there's a lot of. I hate to put it this way, but there's a lot of things that are written that are gore for gore's sake that neglect a story. And if if the trade-off is, uh, you know, there's not many people that are able to pull off like tons and tons and tons and tons of gore and, and also craft a great story. Yeah. Usually there's a trade-off. And if the trade-off is a little less gore than the most gory shit ever, but you get a good story, I'm there. Yeah. I'm I'm all I'm all about that. Uh yeah. I like quieter horror anyway. I enjoy, you know, gory over the top bullshit too. But like <laughs> well, I do, but I, I think, you know, I think back about a lot of the things that I absolutely love. And even if it's comedy, you know, shit, my favorite com comedy of all time is clerks. Like, yeah, it's not, it, it's very, you know, down stripped down to the basics and so that said that said um not that this is like clerks in any way but this is stripped down to the basics <laughs> and it's not over the top gratuitous it doesn't rely on gratuitous violence to craft a good story although the gratuitous violence is there uh in parts yeah i think these things are just a, a genre all them all their own which may make them niche which is potentially a con depending on what their you know mainstream viability is but shit whatever it is i'm here for it you know yeah i am i am a hundred percent down uh you know like we said last time um you know like i grew up on westerns right like i i wasn't super into them whenever i was younger i have grown to appreciate them more but i've always leaned towards um the darker ones mm -hmm. right uh, not the like Gene Autry and stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's like, I love horror and I love the darker Westerns. And both of these books so far have exceeded my expectations. Yeah. You know, um, they've been super enjoyable. Um, I really like, I am excited to see, you know what the next installment of these Splatterpunk westerns are. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Yeah. So, what would you rate this one to five? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four and a half. I. I'm gonna go a little less. I'm gonna say a four out of five. I love the shit out of it, but, uh, you know, like I, I want to see more, and I even want to see more of this character. Like, 
Yeah. The same, the same thing with like the Chisholm Trail one. Like there's a mm-hmm. character in there that like I want to see more of. Yeah, it would be it would be really cool to see a team up uh, or, or a crossover between some of these characters. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, saying eventually one big Avenger style, um, you know, big book with every character in it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty shared universe. <laughs> and at that point, I'll tap out. <laughs> yeah. like, no, uh, this has just gotten too big for yeah, me. Uh, who are these people? <laughs> but all right. Well, uh, I guess that does it for this episode. And we'll see you on two weeks when we're probably not doing a, a splatter Western. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hint, hint. Patrick oh, and, and came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patrick and Jared. If you guys, uh, yeah, I mean, if y'all want us to cover dust, <laughs> <laughs> I like how the option is not like not for us to buy it and do it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I have bought, uh, I've bought quite a few, quite a few Death's Head Press books. <laughs> yeah, but all right. Well, we'll see y'all then. The podcast you just heard is part of the B&E Network, brought to you by bmoviesandebooks.com.